We've been in this series. I'm in love with it. I love hearing all the stories. I hope they've encouraged you because when we see each other shine, when you watch someone else go after God's calling on their life, it sharpens you. You've heard of the scripture, iron sharpens iron. So when we're together, when we ignite each other, we're sharpening one another to become the sharp ones, the change makers, the ones who are making a difference in the world. And I hope this is encouraging. I hope this is challenging you. Our prayer as a church, as a staff, as a team over you and your family is that you get ignited with the fire of God. He ignites a vision in you so hot and so contagious that it can't be tamed. Can't be tamed. There are way too many caged Christians today. Come, sit in a seat, and call it a day, and call it Christianity. I'm telling you, God wants to unleash the change makers in our world. He wants to unleash you. That was a good place for an amen. God wants to unleash you to the world because what's inside of you will transform what's on the outside. That is so right. Amen, brother. Thank you. Thank you. I thought so too. There's a burglar broke into a house, shining a light throughout the space, and he saw some beautiful jewelry. And so he reaches for the jewelry, and all of a sudden he hears a voice says, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Jesus is watching. Looks around. Can't see anybody. He's like, that was really odd. So he goes for it again and goes for the jewelry, and all of a sudden the voice comes again. I wouldn't do that if I were you. Jesus is watching you. Now he's like, this is creepy. So now he's shining a light all through the house, seeing what's going on. All of a sudden, he sees in the corner this parrot, this bird. And the bird says, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Jesus is watching. You like that, that parrot? That's my. And the guy says, who are you? And he says, Moses. And he said, who in the heck would name their bird Moses? And the bird replied, the same person that would name their Rottweiler Jesus. Come on, somebody. Tell, tell your neighbor, say, it's not what it seems. Come on, tell them again. Say, it's not what it seems. I want to encourage you today. I feel like God has laid this, this word on my heart for you specifically for your calling, for your vision, those of you who are online. God wants to remind you and encourage you what you're in right now is not what it seems. Your calling and your vision on your life may seem like something else than what God's called you to. Have you ever felt that? Where you feel like God has given you a word, he's given you a vision. We've been talking these last few weeks on vision and how important it is. Because where there's no vision, the people perish. And so you must have a vision, a vision for your life, a vision for your marriage, a vision for your career, a vision. And I'm not talking about seeing it clearly. I'm talking about a vision of what God wants to draw you to. A vision is somewhere where you're going. 
And vision, the beautiful thing about God's vision is it's what you can see with your eyes closed. How many are so thankful that God gives us vision to see past what's currently taking place in our world, especially these days? Amen? I mean, it is so discouraging when you look with your eyes open, but if you can get a vision, if God will spark something in you and speak to your spirit, and you'll get a vision that when you close your eyes, you can see what God has called to be. Then you live with new purpose. You become a change maker who sets the atmosphere, comes in and sets the temperature. But what you're in right now, I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to tell you and remind you what you're in right now is not what it seems. There's something working. I want to look at Joel chapter 2, verse 28 to set the foundation. So if you would, yo Siri, you going to preach with me today? He's going to help me out. Uh, Zion, he changed my voice of my Siri, and so now it's this random dude. It used to be, you know, the nice lady that talks to you, now it's this random dude with an accent and all this stuff. And sometimes I can't even understand it, but I don't know how to get it back. So praise God for the technology, technological uh, kids in our lives, right? But uh, I want to set the foundation with Joel chapter 2. So get out your Bible, get out, get out a journal, write it down today what God's going to speak to you. This is a powerful scripture, and you might have read it before. Uh, It's from the prophet Joel. He's talking about the day of the Lord. Now, we read this scripture, and I I beg to to bring up the argument that sometimes we read it out of context. So I'm going to give some context today because context creates clarity. Context creates clarity. Man, that will preach to your relationships too. Context creates clarity relationships and the scripture, what we read, and how we are to go about our vision. And so I'm gonna, I want to shine some light on this scripture today. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. If you would, read it with me and say, And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. How many old men do I have in the building? I'm giving a little whoop whoop. Getting up there, can't barely see my notes, you know. (laughs) Hallelujah. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Now, to give a little context of the scripture, because we read this and we're like, oh, it's the end times he's talking about. It's the end times that he says, I will pour out my spirit, and I am guilty as charged. I've read this for years and thought, That is the end times they're talking about. When the end times come, God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit, and then everybody will prophesy, see vision, dreams. But actually, this scripture is talking not about a specific time, but a sequence of times. Everybody say a sequence. You see, the people of God have been attacked, the wall had been destroyed, and the land had been burned. And so Joel was prophesying what the Lord was speaking to something that was going to happen in sequence. And the people found themselves in a place of restoration with material items. It was a time after the attacks that now they were rebuilding. Everybody say rebuilding. Rebuilding. This is a word for you today because some of you, you got a call and you got a vision, but right now you're in the season of rebuilding. You're rebuilding what 
you, 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 you were on, you were in, and now the season has maybe uh, taken it from underneath you, or you might be in a season where God is calling you to level up, and so you find yourself rebuilding, coming back to the space of building what was and making it even greater. So where do you find yourself today? Do you find yourself with a shovel, replanting the trees? Do you find yourself with a hammer, rebuilding that wall? And you find yourself in a place where God is restoring the material in your life. God is restoring you. And so the people of God, they found themselves in that place of replanting, rebuilding. And then the Lord spoke to that season and said, when my people restore what's physically in front of them, I will restore what's supernatural and above them. In other words, you do what you see, and God does what only he can see. You plow the ground. You rebuild. You do what you know, and the Lord says, afterwards. Notice how he does that transition, because it's not, it's not before. It's not a people waiting. It's in the midst of restoration. It's in the midst of rebuilding. It's in the midst of doing what seems to be average. And the Lord says, afterward. Everybody say, afterward. This means you got to move, and then the Lord comes and moves on your movement. Some of us are waiting on a move of God. We're sitting, waiting in our prayer closet. We're like, God, one day you will move on this land. One day you will save this neighborhood. One day you will save the next generation. One day you will restore my marriage. One day you will build a business where I can fully support and be generous. One day, God, you will give me enough so that I will be a blessing to others. One day. And the Lord says, no, afterward, after you do what you know to do, after you put your shovel in the ground and plant the seed and water it, after you put that next brick on the wall and paste it with whatever they paste on there, super glue or gorilla glue, and do the next brick, and you do what you know to do because God has called you to restore. God has called you to build. God has called you to pour into your marriage. And so daily, you pour into your marriage, and the Lord says, hey, afterward, after you do what you know to do, I will pour out my spirit so much on all people. There's no class of person that you need to be. Even on your servants, which in that day was the lowest of lows. Even on them. Everybody's going to get the outpouring of the supernatural. And this is what makes a difference between those that are, are doing good and those that are performing the supernatural. The change makers. See, God hasn't called us as a church just to do good. Amen. That's, that's not why we're here. We, believe me, I did not leave my comfy life and come into the city to plant a church and plow the ground and come into a place where people are like, that's the church graveyard. And I'm like, no, 
I didn't, I didn't come here to do good, to say, all right, everybody, let's feel good about ourselves. Let's get together on the weekends and sing some songs, and then we'll go out and we'll do some good. We'll feed some people, and then we'll just call it a day. That'll be good. No. The Lord called us to do what we know to do so that when his spirit comes, to put the time in, to do what you know to do, say, God, I'm going to be faithful with what you've called me to. I'm going to be faithful with raising these kids. Man, if you didn't catch Phyllis's uh, story, I encourage you to go watch it. I think it's on our Instagram. She didn't sign up to raise a child, but God called her to it. And so in the midst of rebuilding, in the midst of putting in the time and the energy, the sweat equity that it takes to raise a child, the Lord says afterward, after I see that faithfulness, after I see you plowing, after I see that, I will pour out my spirit and dreams and visions and my spirit will come and be in the midst of that. When you do the things you know to do, God does the things only he can do. When you do what you know, God does what he knows. There are things in your life that is going to take time to cultivate and to grow. Change maker, can I tell you that this, this life of God, this calling of God in your life, it is not going to be the easiest thing you've ever done. But I can promise you this. It'll be the most fulfilling. When one day we stand before him, my cry of my heart, my prayer every day is, Lord, don't let me lose the fire. Don't let me lose the fervency. Don't let me lose the drive. Because I want to stand before you one day and you say, well done. Now I like my steaks medium rare. Yeah, as pink as I can get it. If I, if I put my fork in it, it goes, Mrr. I'm happy. That's how I like it. But at the end of time, I don't want to hear medium rare. I want to hear well done. <laughs> well done. All the way done. I want to hear that when I get to heaven. That God says, well done. You did everything you knew to do. So what do we do? How do we become the greatest, the greatest change makers on the world? How do we become the greatest ones who are walking through our jobs, raising our families, coming and serving as a church? going to places that God is calling us as a church to serve and to become those that wash feet? How do we do this correctly? How do you come alive to your calling to where you become a, a, a movement involved with this church? You see, we're not all just called to come and just be a part of the weekend's experience, and that's it. I mean, that, that is just so shallow. And I just, I encourage you, dive into the deep and see what God wants you to do. But what do we do? How do we really step in? Number one, are you ready? Grow the gift. Grow the gift. You say, Elijah, I'm not gifted. I don't got gifts. I beg to differ. In fact, First uh, Peter 4.10, write that down. First Peter 4.10, it proves this. In verse 10 it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Each of you, meaning everybody's got one. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Everybody's been given a gift of God. You've been given a gift. You know how you find your gift? 
Here's an easy way to do it, and I love it. Uh, this is the easiest way to find, find your gift. What do you do best with the least amount of effort? What do you do best that comes out of your life and is just par none? I mean, it's just excellent with the least amount of effort. There you can find your God-given gift. That's God-given. It's not something that you can learn. Not something you can better. And that's why we say grow your gift. You got to grow it and cultivate it and make it better. A lot of times in leadership, you'll hear things like, you know, work on your weaknesses or, or, you know, concentrate on where you're weak and make it strong so that you can be a better person. But let me encourage you, uh, what, what, what I want, want you to really focus in and, and get on is your gift. What has God gifted you in and accelerate it? Make it better. Has God given you ability to make people feel a certain way? To light up a room? Man, some of you, right as you walk in the room, the, the, the temperature in the room goes up. Not because you hot, but just, you know what I'm saying? Like, you come in and you brighten everybody's day. You bring a smile to everybody's face. And you have that gift, the gift. Some of you are so talented in music. So talented. I remember when, uh, I think it was like a year or so in, we were doing a Father's Day thing, and I was like, um, you know, we need to make this, we need to make this song. I just had a vision. I was like, we got to have this, this song. We're going to do a song, and we're going to do a rap, and it's going to be epic. And I was, for the life of me, I was trying to, like, write this thing, and I, I could not come up with the right thing. In fact, I wrote up a mock thing, but I was like, this is terrible. And I remember I came to Doc. Do you remember this, Doc? And I brought you the song, and I'm like, hey, I want to do this song. Would you rap this? And Doc looked at it, and he looked at all the lyrics, and he said, Lige, do you mind if I tweak this a little bit? Now, that's Doc's really nice way of saying this is trash, and I need to make it better. But Doc's such a sweetheart. He'll never, he'll never just do that. He'll just he'll give you that roundabout, like, hey, I love you enough to not let this go out. <laughs> and so he, he, he put his expertise to it. Why? He's gifted. The boy spits bars like, like none other. It comes out of his life. Why? It's God-given. You can't teach that. I know a lot of rappers out there that just, they, they don't got it, okay? They try to spit bars, but something else is coming out. But Doc has a gift. And what is your gift? What has God given you that is, it comes out of you naturally? Grow it. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, grow it. You got to grow. Come on, you at home, be encouraged. Grow your gift. Grow your gift. Take a class. Subscribe to a podcast. Buy a book. Invest something financially. Do something to put faith into harvest. Because God has gifted you. And as a change maker, you have to realize what your gift is. I love Teresa's story. And just how she went to school and, and has all this ability inside, but never knew, like, where it was going to end up. And I love the faithfulness, Teresa, that you've shown this church. Just as you came in, you're like, hey, I'd love to try to be a part of it. Like, I'd love to do videos. And I love uh, your approach, too, because it, at first it was like, hey, I don't do this, but I feel like I should. And it was crazy because the moment you did was the moment that, that talent rose to the surface. It was like, oh, you gifted, girl. <laughs> you gifted. Like, I do this for a living. Like, we, we, uh, we have a video creative agency, 
And so we're, we're blessed to tell stories and really work with uh, nonprofits and businesses in the city and around the world, and it's incredible. But I know, I know a gift when I see it, when it comes to video editing and, and pictures. And I remember when Teresa first uh, handed over something, it was actually for an Easter production that we were doing. And she handed it over, and it was a storytelling thing, and I was like, wow, I was moved to tears. That's not taught. It's given. You have a gift inside that's given by God, the creator. And the Bible says that when he knit you together in your mother's womb, he used a specific thread for you. That specific gift to say, you'll need that. You're going to use that, cultivate it, and grow it. And so my encouragement to you is this. Find your gift and grow it. I think of a David. And here David was, shepherd boy the youngest runt of the family. In fact, you know the the story where the prophet was coming looking for a king because God told him it was in the the family. And so when he shows up on the scene, David is nowhere to be found in the lineup. He's actually in the field doing what he knows. He was a shepherd boy watching sheep. I'm sure it felt mundane. I'm sure it felt boring. Can you imagine hours just watching sheep? I mean, I love sheep, you know. They're cool. They're white. Some are kind of funky looking. So I'm sure that that got old maybe after the first month or two. And he's watching sheep. And this may be where you are right now is that you have this calling on your life and And God is calling you to cultivate and grow the gift because he wants to elevate you to what he sees. Because you're stuck in what you see. So David, he was watching sheep. In the midst of watching sheep, he had these creatures come in and try to eat his sheep. Oh, man, not on David's watch. So David, he got a sling. He got a sling, and he started putting stones in, and he started practicing because he knew there were lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my. And they were coming for his sheep because they liked lamb chops. And so he was like, I'm going to be ready. So what was he doing? He was growing the gift. Now, did it look like he was growing the gift to fight a giant at the time? You answer that question. Do you think so? I don't think so. I think he just knew, I'm a pretty good aim. I got, I got a gift. But he wasn't settling there and just, he was practicing. He was getting good at his skill. He said, all right, I'm going to hit that tree right there, that skinny one. Yeah, let's go, let's go. Thinking like it's a lion, thinking like it's a bear, not knowing that he was actually prepping to take down one of Israel's greatest foes. And some of you don't know, but right now God is training you and getting you ready to take down one of the greatest foes. And God is calling you to be a revivalist. And right now you don't feel like it because it looks like a prayer closet. But God's cultivating that gift of prayer. He's given you a spirit to be in a place of tenacity, to not give up until you see it done. He's given you a boldness to step out and risk, to risk in the space of failure. Because right now, 
You're not hitting that tree every time you throw this sling. Right now, there are some rocks that whiz right past that lion and bear. Shoot. Come on, man. Sometimes you write that song and it don't hit where you thought it was going to hit. Sometimes you design that graphic and it just, it didn't work out like you thought it was going to. It didn't reach that many people like you thought it was going to. Sometimes you write that blog and you're like, all right, Lord, I'm going to trust you and, and reveal it to the world. And you put it out and it just goes nowhere. You got one comment. It's from your mom. Good job, honey. I'm so proud of you. Sometimes you step in and you're doing what you know to do, but it doesn't feel like it and know it. Can I encourage you today? You're training not for what you see. You're training for what God is building you up to conquer. Ah, I wish someone would help me preach today. <laughs> because there's some in this room that God is making giant slayers. And this city, this world needs change makers to rise up. And I'm calling it out of you today to encourage you. Holy Spirit, drop this on me so hot I couldn't get away from it. And he's dropping it on you today to encourage you to say, keep growing the gift. I've given it to you not because I just, I love you and all that stuff. On top of that, I want you to conquer some giants. I want you to take down some obstacles, some barriers that others have been praying over. You see, there was a people that were praying for a king to come into rule that would have the father's heart. They were praying for a king to rise up. Little did they know Little shepherd boy David was out watching the sheep, smelling like, you know, and he was, he was growing his gift. Little did they know he was getting ready to slay the giant, become one of the greatest kings ever to be known. What is God growing you in right now? Not someday. I think it was Katie who said there will never be a perfect time to move. Never. There will never be all the ducks in a row. You'll never have enough money. You'll never have everything in place. I promise you, if you're waiting on the perfect moment, it will never come. David, he was, he was out with the sheep. He didn't know that day he would be called into the lineup. And then right as that moment happened, God said, that's my boy. That's him. Anoint him. Anoint him for greatness because I've called him king. Here's the second thing you got to do. All right, all my change makers in the building. You got a calling in your life. You feel the gift, and you're going to cultivate the gift. You're going to grow it. The second thing is this you got to give the gift. Give the gift. Give it. God is going to pour out a spirit on your life and give you what paves the way to the greater things. Check the scripture out. This is so bad. I love it. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 16. Write this down. There's so much wisdom. This is the scripture that me and Ashley lived on coming into Philadelphia. Because you have to understand, we were coming in and we were counting quarters to go get milk. Ah, y'all don't know about that season, do you? Counting my quarters to make sure I had enough for milk and getting to the store and realizing... I don't have enough for a whole gallon. I got to get the half gallon this time. Y'all don't know about that. Y'all don't know about that season. But it was a season of being in the field, throwing stones, 
of a tree. Ah, shoot. Check it out. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 16. This will wreck you. A gift. Everybody say a gift. That means what is given. Not what is in your hand. Not what is an opportunity to give. Not what God has blessed me. Look at my barn. It's full of the things of God. Not that. A gift. What is given. What is given opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. Woo! This means what you have in your hands right now, the current gift God has given you, if you will grow it, if you will pour into it and say, God, I'm going to make this thing the best that I can. I'm going to hit that tree every time. I'm going to write that song. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that blog. I'm going to put it down. I'm going to raise these kids. I'm going to love my wife. Whatever it is, I'm going to grow this business. No matter what it takes, I'm going to do it. Even on the days I don't feel like I'm going to grow it. And then, God, I don't care what it, what it looks like with failure on the other side. It doesn't matter. I'm going to risk and give my gift. I'm going to give it away because here's the promise. When you give, when you open up your hand, that gift becomes the thing. That gift becomes the thing that ushers you into the vision that you see currently. What God has put on your spirit, the bigger things, the greater things, things when nobody else is seeing it, but you can you can. And if we are to give the gift, to give the gift, grow it and give it. I love it because that the word opens the way actually, actually translates to makes room. Can I tell you there's a table that has a reserved seat with your name on it. It's in the midst of kings and queens. It's in the midst of influencers. Those that look on the outside like they got it all together and are influencing great. There's a table with your name on a seat. But the only way you're going to get to that place is if you grow the gift and you give the gift. Because as soon as that takes place, that gift ushers you in to see, oh, seated right here. I'm, th- I'm thinking about the, the wedding guests when Jesus talks about the parable, when the man came in and took the, the highest seat and he came and sat at the, the greatest seat. And he's like, I'm here, parted there. He said, don't do this because there will be someone greater than you coming in and you will have to move to the least. And what a shameful day that will be for you. Instead, go to the least place. Be the servant give the gift in the midst of not having the limelight, in the midst of not having the name or the adoration or those praising your name. In the midst of serving, give it. In the midst of serving, make it better. Grow it when nobody's watching. Do it as unto the world, unto the nations. That's what God put in your spirit. Do it as unto that. Even if you're sitting in a classroom of five kids, preach to them like it's 5,000. Even if you have two followers on your blog, write as though you're writing to the world. Give the gift. 
And it ushers, it unlocks the door. It unlocks the door to the great. I believe that today, man, God wants to inspire the gift and inspire the growth. And I know that there are many in this room, many watching online, I know this, that God is calling you. He's calling you to get involved with what his agenda is. God's agenda from moment one is to make sure every one of his children know him. To know him. In fact, you even see it in the Bible. And I can't speak this like legit, but this is my thought. This is my translation of it. That God loved the world so much and he saw that the world was not getting it. So he had to do something greater in order to show his love. And he couldn't do it any other way than to wrap himself in flesh and send Jesus to the world to show how much he loves. And since the beginning of the world, his main mission was to reach every single child of his to make sure they know how much their father loves them. And the enemy is trying at everything to destroy and kill every change maker. Because as soon as a change maker catches it, it becomes wildfire. It becomes love intoxicating those that have been caught up in the lies of the enemy. All of a sudden, love breaks off all chains, breaks off all doubt, breaks off all addiction and habits. All of a sudden, love, when it comes in, it comes alive. It births Life transformation. So he wants to kill your dream. He wants to kill your gift. He wants you to make you think that you are nothing and no good. But I'm here to remind you today, God has designed you and designated you to be a change maker in your world. Whatever you're settling for today, my friend, it's time to get up. It's time to move. It's time to to train. It's time to get involved with your gift. Make it better. Why? God's called you to slay giants. He's called you to slay giants. So today I know God's going to do that in your life. He's going to inspire that in you. He's going to clarify and define your gift today. I want to give an opportunity for those of you who have not given their heart to God. Just in these closing moments, I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And maybe you're watching online and you haven't yet come into a relationship with Jesus, and you're like, what's the point? Can I tell you, it's the greatest decision you'll ever make because it's the greatest person you can have on your side. And you might feel alone today. You might feel like you're out on your own, and you're facing everything that the world is throwing, and you're like, this world is in chaos. How could it ever get better? Can I tell you this? Life in Christ, life in Christ is a place of foundation. It's a place where you find security. It's a place where you can find rest. And I don't know if you've, you're feeling the weight of the world, but can I, tell, can I just encourage you? Come to Jesus. He says, come to me, all who are weary. All who are weary. And I will give you rest. So if you want to make a commitment to Jesus today, you're in this room, you say, I want to make a commitment to Jesus. Maybe you have made a commitment in the past, but you want to recommit today. You want to make sure 
You say, you know what? I'm sold out. I want to be all in. I don't just want to follow Christ, but I, I want to follow him. I want to become a change maker. I want to be one who's using my gift for God. But I want to pray today for the fire of God to fill your life. Those of you in this room that maybe you've lost the fire, I want to pray for that fire today to be reignited. You get a love and passion for God and a love and passion for his people. Because when you love God so much, believe me, I promise you, love for people will come. So I want to I pray a prayer with you. If you want to say yes to Jesus today, invite him into your heart. Uh, we as a change, we, we do it together. We do life together. So I want to ask everybody in this room, everybody online to pray with, and let's pray together as we commit our lives to Jesus and recommit. But if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to Push the button online. If you're online, push the button. Let somebody know. Acknowledge the fact that you're making a decision for Jesus. They said in the Bible that if you acknowledge me, Jesus, before man, I will acknowledge you someday in front of my Father. And so make that, make that commitment today. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. Say, I'm making a decision to follow Christ. Let's pray together. If you, if you want to invite Jesus into your life, have a relationship with him, would you pray with me? Say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for dying on the cross and taking away my sin. Forgive me of all my past. And thank you that your blood washes over all my sin. I'm new. I am forgiven. I'm on my way to heaven. Hallelujah. And then say this, say, Lord, give me a hunger for the things of God. Give me a hunger for your word. Give me a hunger for your presence. And give me the fire of God in my heart. I love you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Can you make some noise for those that have become king's kids? Come on, those of you that made that decision, we, we celebrate with you. That's the greatest decision you can make. And now you walk not alone. You walk with Jesus. He walks with you. He promises to never forsake you. And as you look and say, God, what do you have for me? Now that I'm in you, now what? God will give you a purpose. He'll give you a vision for your life. He'll give you a gift. And you'll notice, wow, I'm pretty good at the sling. I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to make it better. God's going to inspire that. Hey, I want to pray for everybody in this room. If you would stand to your feet as we worship in the end, in the end of this experience. I want to pray that God just ignites this church, lights it on fire. I know there are so many of you that have people around you that God is calling you to come in and slay some giants so that the people can be free. You're going to slay giants of doubt. You're going to slay giants of financial burden. You're going to slay those giants. In fact, some of you have significant others that have things that they're dealing with that God's going to help you slay those giants because you're going to be faithful with the love. You're going to be faithful with the, the admiration, the faithful with the serving and the honoring. You're going to be faithful in it. God's going to give that to you today. Come on, would you lift up your hands today? If you're hungry for more of God, you're hungry for that clarity and fire of God, would you lift up your hands and just say, God, fill me up. 
Fill me up with your power. Fill me up with your spirit. God, I just pray right now, release your fire over this room. God, that we would be ones who are seeking you, a generation of desperate people who are desperate after you, dependent on your presence, that we don't go anywhere without your glory going with us, Father. I thank you for every job, every career, every person in here that's raising children, every person in here that's loving a significant other, every person that's called to a family that doesn't know you, every person that's working with the next generation, every teacher, every, every person that's a faculty member, even people that, Lord God, that are maybe just on the street. God, I thank you so much that you have called them for greatness. I pray that you would inspire the gift, inspire them to grow it, inspire them to give it, and God, as we together as a collective family come into this calling of God in our lives, that we are reaching this city for Jesus Christ, I pray you encourage every single person to get involved, to go after the things of God, to know that they are giant slayers. We release your kingdom all over this room. I release your mindset and your dreams and your vision, God. Spark something new. Spark something fresh, God. That every morning we wake up to new intensity, new zeal, new passion for your presence, new authority as we pray, new authority as we work, new authority as we serve. That we do it under the name of Jesus. That we know that that stone in our sling is not going to do anything, but with the power of God, it brings down strongholds in Jesus' name.